This is the Gig Ready Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Jordan Goodfellow here, Gig Ready Podcast. We are excited today talking about labor. It is a hot subject. It's a subject that's going to be, I think, the most talked about subject overall uh, in the next six months is people trying to find people to do jobs. Um, I've already noticed a huge influx of people who are either not available, have decided to pursue other ventures, or um, just you know need to do something different. So I'm excited about our discussion today, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got Henry Schuler from AV Lancer and Mike Finn, Big Finn out of Las Vegas, two of my favorite uh, labor managers, organizers, business owners. And then we have the ever-present, ever-steady Joe Mack of More Than Light. He ran a giant labor company up in Portland, Oregon for a number of years, working with the likes of big companies that I can't name. And we're really excited to have him here today. So, guys, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for jumping in. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, hey, Joe, if you want to just jump right in there, man, being uh, owning a labor company, running that for for a number of years, dealing with specialized labor, um, you know, different specialized positions and stuff. I'd love to kind of get your gauge first and foremost on what you think the next 12 months are going to be like as people start to come back into the industry. We're starting to see events begin to happen. Um, What do you what are you thinking? Uh, I think everything we talk about in this show is going to be absolutely 100% incorrect in the next six months. <laughs> um, uh, so let's, let's just set the baseline there. Perfect. But um, I, I feel like uh, we're going to be, we're going to be up a Creek without a paddle. Um, and mostly because 30 to 50% of our paddles have, have left the business for uh, greener pastures and, and um, yeah. uh, jobs that have benefits and have the things that, that we've wanted for years uh, as a labor force. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's going to be a lot more um, regulations in regards to labor when it comes to, you know, safety on site, um, whether we're, um, you know, we're dealing with new positions as COVID monitors or we're dealing with um, extra time in the, in the box when you're pulling, when you're loading in, in and loading out a truck, tipping a truck. Um, so I, I think it's going to get real complicated real fast. And so I think right now is the time for us to really hash out all those things that we haven't thought about and, and find our way to pivot when we need to and how to make it work. Because ultimately, our clients are going to require us to make it work. Um, within the confines of our budget. Very true. Um, Do you think those budgets are going to expand a little bit to to accomplish for that or no? Um, I've talked with a couple of my clients and and I've asked them flat out, what do you expect about labor um, moving forward? And they expect to pay more. They they understand, they have understanding that that it's going to cost more. Um, Not necessarily for the actual labor themselves. Like I think the rates will stay the same unless, you know, things get ugly and people, people start, you know, backstabbing to get the gig um, early on. But I think once we get going, it's going to come like a tsunami and we're going to be overwhelmed and not have enough humans to, to do the work that we're looking at. So, you know, I, I, uh, I think those clients understand that there's going to be, you know, a longer load in uh, check-in time, you know, doing, doing testing, doing, um, you know, making sure that all the crew doesn't have a fever, um, all those things that, that we need to do to make sure that we're safe on site. And then the actual, you know, how many people can you have in a box? How far do they have to be apart? You know, there's, we're normally shoulder to shoulder lifting eight, you know, eight guys out of a, a big case or whatever. Um, and, and I think that's going to complicate the speed at which we can move um, but you know, maybe it's more trucks and yeah. fewer people, you know, you know, rather than having a whole bunch of people in one truck, maybe it's split out over several trucks. So that's, that's a possibility. Um, 
But ultimately, I think our clients will understand if we educate them that it's going to cost more. Yeah, understood. So, Henry, you, you're running a, a, a nationwide labor company, audiovisual labor, specialized labor, uh, you know, stagehands and the like. Uh, what are your client? What have your clients said so far? What are they asking about? What are they expecting to, to kind of move forward? I think uh, what we've seen is everybody uh, is very understanding that it's going to take more time. Uh, it, it's going to be different. Um, so, so everyone's adjusting to that in, in terms of our client base pretty well. They're just excited to be working again. Uh, and I, I'll definitely echo what you said there. I think we're not going to have enough good humans to get this done. We're seeing that already. Uh, we kind of thought that coming out of a pandemic that we'd be going into a situation where everybody's eager to, eager to get out there and work and we're going to fill calls easy, but that's not what we've seen so far. We've seen it's really difficult to fill calls. A lot of people are um, counting on unemployment and there's so much uncertainty around what happens next. They're scared to take a gig because they don't want to lose their benefits. Yeah. They, they don't know that this one, you know, $500 job, you know, could stop their benefits. So they're, they're scared to take the work. Uh, sure. Even if they are available, they, um, so you know what we're already seeing is is a huge shortage in supply, and uh, we're seeing what looks like it's going to be a big spike in demand. I think there's a ton of pent up demand yeah. that's going to just come like a tsunami at us in Q, probably Q4 is what I'm anticipating. Yeah, Finn, what are you thinking, buddy? What uh, I mean, Vegas, Utah. Uh, where's the where's the action at right now? I think Utah is probably my bet. Okay, for things getting opened up soon. Um, I heard some rumors of some festivals happening there in July, and I'm starting to get some calls for <clears throat> larger quantities of people uh, opening up there. Uh, I'm hearing rumors that Vegas is going to open up soon. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious to see how that goes. Right? I mean, I'm reaching out to guys. I've been trying to. Uh, contact all of my former hands and and you know production technicians and just see who is still available because like you said some guys like took a whole new life on right they decided yeah. they want nine to five they like being home with the family you know all those kind of things and uh you know i think a lot of people moved in that direction so it's just really going to be like a rebirth i think for all of us i mean we're going to get in there we're going to have our core group of people that are in this business because it's their life it's their passion and uh and then we'll just keep recruiting like i'm sure all three of us have done in the past i mean that's what you do you just build your team right and you, you start educating them and teaching them the ways and um i think that almost might be a good thing because if the landscape looks different than it did in 2019, which I'm sure it is, it might be easier to kind of train people in the new ways of doing things as opposed to trying to teach the old dogs new tricks, right? Like this is the way it is now. People have to go through all these hoops and this is the way a normal check-in is. And I think it's uh, it's almost like kids going through the TSA that were, you know, traveling after 9-11. It's not new to them, right? They're going to grow up in this new world of production. And um, I think that's you know, that's our approach, man. You know, as this thing starts coming on like this tsunami, we just keep building and recruiting and, and doing what we do, you know, adapting and overcome. That's what production's all about. Yeah. Uh, a few shows ago, we, we actually talked about this, you know, the mentorship and bringing up the next generation. Uh, do you think we're going to have a hard time uh, bringing up that next group, finding them? Because, you know, uh, a whole generation seeing uh, an entire industry shut down because of the virus is really going to make it hard for us to sell this business as a viable income, you know? I'm hearing that, but I'm also remembering the excitement of being a kid and working these festivals and going to the shows and being there. And like, there's, I got a 16 year old son. He's can't wait, you know, for things to go. And I see, and he's young, but I also see the, 17 to say 22 23 like they want to do that you know that's why we all did it i'm sure right none of us all got in and said hey i want to go build a corporate show like we initially <laughs> got in because we love you know we love the music we love the, the whole vibe out there you know if as we grew we're like oh these corporate shows are this is where it's at i'd much rather be in, inside 
than out, you know, in some sweaty field somewhere. But I do think that allure of, of being a part of it is, uh, I think it's going to be attractive, you know, for the kids. And then it's just weeding out the ones that are, you know, just there for the t-shirt to the ones that like, oh, you actually fit into this world, you know, like this could be your life. I mean, that's got to be all of us. That was me for sure. Like, oh, I found something that like, this, this is me, you know, this is the world I belong in. And I think those kids are still going to be out there. You know, yeah. we just got to look, keep on a lookout for them and just keep rounding them up and help them out. Every I mean, I, I got into this, I got into this industry just so I could hear doctors talk about very long drug names. So, I mean, that's, that's why I did it. Um, for hours. I got in it for the catering. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. For the long hours, that's lack right. of sleep. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all we all know one thing. I mean, some people were made to do this, and some people aren't. I mean, it's just yep. it's a fact. It, it is a fact of life. And and I personally believe that you know I was made to do this. Like what we do, having the the grit, the determination, the longevity of like we're on hour eighteen, and we have no choice, but doors are at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning and we've got to be ready. And there is like, there is no option, um, you know, overcoming obstacles and stuff. And so that of course shines in this particular instance where we're coming over obstacles. And I think that, you know, had this, had the pandemic only gone for four or five months, we'd be, it'd be a completely different world in terms of people coming back and saying, Oh yeah, we can kind of do this. And now, I mean, I think, I think you're right, Mike. It's like, the people who like, boom, this is what they do. We're, we're seeing that they're going to come back. They're ready to go. But those who, they like the nine to five, they like the fact they're home with the family. They're, they're doing that. And it's, I mean, it's tempting. I trust for me too. Sometimes I'm like, man, it's kind of nice. Like I'm in the, I'm in my office and I just step out the door and boom, there are the kids and we're, you know, um, but I can't, I can't do a show from my house. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We love that energy. Right. I mean, that's the appeal of this thing, like building those shows and just getting everything going, make it happen. I mean, that drives me. That's like momentum for my soul. Right. I can't wait to get back out there. I tell you, yeah, it's this being at a desk. I have to get up several times a day and just like go work on a computer or do a, do some kind of project. I just can't be. Yep. I I was always on the road out working with my crews, meeting people and, Oh yeah. I just it's just so weird to me to stay home for a year. Dude, I know. And it it, it, it really messed me up like my schedule. I've realized that like without the deadlines of the you know, 7 a.m. doors, 8 a.m. show, you know, 5:30 p.m. doors, 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. first act, 8 p.m. main act, like without that stuff, it like it removed a whole portion of like measurement in, in my, in like my days, you know, cause you're like, you have those hard deadlines and now all of a sudden it's like, wait, what do I do? I got this stuff that needs to get done and it doesn't have to be done today, but I have to create those deadlines for myself so that I can mm-hmm. actually move that forward, like push yeah. the ball down the road. Um, like it's not that important, right? Like you're, that's it. Like some of these things you're like, eh, you know, I could do that tomorrow where in the old days you're like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, if this drawing isn't done, then, yeah. you know, my gear isn't on the dock on time when it has, you know, when it, when it has to be ready. Um, well, it fractures, it fractures your workflow you yeah. know, from the get go. The second, the second you don't have a whole lot of things to get done, you kind of like, like, like Finn said, you know, uh, maybe I can get that done tomorrow, you know, and then you just keep doing that for like six months and then you realize, Oh, I have still haven't got that done. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, taxes was a great big thing for me <laughs> last year <laughs> and this year. It was like, eh, I'll get to it tomorrow, but right. finally got it done, you know? Good, good. <laughs> so what do we think guys coming back? I mean, what, you know, Mike, what are you seeing right now or, or Henry as the, um, I guess the, the beginning stages of like the, the, the arrival period, you know, what are you guys seeing? You get to a gig, you get to a site. What is that? Is, have you guys seen something common? Have you seen something that, you know, every show, you know, each time we're doing X, Y, Z in this order. What, what have you guys seen so far? Henry, you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've said, yeah, every client's different. I haven't seen anything consistent. Like most of what we've done is really small, 
stuff. So usually it's like, hey, we, we had to do some testing, actually. Some of the New York stuff we did, all techs had to be um, had to get an antibody test before they came on site. And that had to happen a couple of days before. And the client organized it all and paid for it all, of course, because it was their terms. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then we've had other shows where they're like, yeah, just show, just bring a mask and some hand sanitizer and, and that's fine. And we'll keep, we'll keep distance, but it was small. So there's plenty of room to keep distance. So, yeah. so those were easy examples. Yeah. I mean, do we think that, do we think that, that the, the onus on, on testing and that kind of stuff is always going to lie with the, the producer or the production company that's hiring you? Or is that something that, that at some point we have to own ourselves and, and do and provide it for the I mean, for that company. I I think it's it's really up to the company because you know there, there's not going to be a central mandate on that, and uh, there are certain guidelines, you know, local guidelines and state guidelines and whatnot, um, but they're fairly vague and open to interpretation. So, uh, you know, my company we're all about freelancers. We don't we don't send employees out or anything. So. Uh, it's not really, you know, our place to tell the freelancers exactly what to do, but it is the client has every right to do that, to, to put their own rules in place for their own event. And so uh, we kind of let them determine that yeah. and then let the, let the contractors, I mean, they, they run their own business, right? So we kind of let them decide if, if that's up to their standards as well. And if they, if they are like, Hey, I don't feel safe. Like, I don't want to do this. Uh, they have every right to, to not do that job too. Um, as long as they're voicing those concerns and, you know, making it aware, you know, noted ahead of time. Now, and we kind of respect those two parties, make it, help them make decisions. Yeah. What, I, what I've seen here up until yesterday, yesterday was the first day where they didn't ask for any testing. But what I've seen over the past few months is uh, they're asking for testing a few days out for the crew, uh, like within three days. Right. And they show up and they got their, you know, their uh, negative results. And it's actually, I mean, we've seen some crew come back positive, right? And they can't go do the show. Like, there you go. I mean, that's that's a thing, right? That's a thing. So uh, that's kind of on the front end. But then a lot of times on these shows, they'll have uh, people. We've done some like larger video shoots outside, things like that, and they'll have a they'll have a testing on site where you're going and doing the rapid uh, 15 minute thing. So the guys show up maybe an hour ahead of time. Uh, they there's a, usually a, an online form where you get a schedule, like say your call seven o'clock, it'll say show up at six 15. We're having X amount of people getting tested, um, those kind of things. And that's where I think we need to think about billing back for that hour. Right. I mean, if the guys yeah. are showing up, they got to get paid for that. Um, so that that's been the bulk of what I've seen is the prior to onsite testing. And then if say it's a two week run or something, a, a 15 minute test every few days uh, after the first day, um, but what I've also seen uh, is a lot of uh, bigger producers that I work with, they're selling that package to their clients. They're going to the end client and saying, listen, we're bringing in you know, a team of this many people and the hands. And, and if you want to do it for your uh, clientele as well, all the attendees, they're selling uh, testing packages so that they're giving that kind of insurance almost to the end client that, listen, we're doing everything we can, you know, to... Uh, to reduce your liability here to that, that someone got sick at your show, you know, we're going to go above and beyond. And this is the new line item for it. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what it's come down to is it's a new department, right? Just like rigging and audio and lighting and everything. Now it's this COVID line down there. That's, uh, you know, just trying to keep people comfortable to open things back up again, you know? Well, and along those lines, you know, there's, there's the, the health and safety monitor or the COVID monitor, as a position on, on the crew, do you think that's, that's going to maintain as a, as the norm uh, moving forward? Or is that, is that always going to fall to a department head? Is that going to, you know, the, be the TD or how, th how do you, how do you think that'll work? Okay. So my gut here and on based on everything that we know, and uh, you know, I, I look into this stuff a lot. I think it is going to be, uh, it's going to be, an assigned position, right? It's not going to be, Hey, keep an eye on your crew. I think there is going to be just, there's going to be a monitor, right? At least one, just making sure things are going good at the very least in the beginning, right. For, for a while. That's, I mean, I think it's a given they have, we have to, right. There has to be somebody 
that is account that's accountable. You can't be, hey, you're a lighting crew chief and a safety officer, right? Like you yeah. need to focus on being a lighting crew chief, right? You but you need somebody to make sure that people are following the procedures, right? Because we, you know, I mean, it, it seems like things are getting better, but I've also, I know people that are sick, have gotten sick. I'm sure you all know people who have gotten sick. I know people that have passed on, unfortunately, like, you know, it's a thing, right? And, and we need to bring it back. I don't think, I think minimizing it is not, is not the right approach. I think we need to have a good plan and go in there and uh, just make sure we implement it, right? Like, like that's it. It needs to be its own department. I guess that answers your question the best. I think yeah. it yeah. needs to be a dedicated department to keeping people safe. Totally agree. So we can do our thing, right? We don't want to, yeah. I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. We want to go build productions. That's what we yeah. do, right? So now we just need this other layer in there, right? To make sure that we can do that in a safe environment. Yeah. Uh, also, the. The multi pass vaccine card, right? I think. But I think people are saying you can't be vaccinated in contracting. You can give the contract. What point do we? Oh. Did we lose Jordan? No. Hello. Sorry, my internet my internet connection dropped. My apologies. Okay, it's always when I'm talking. <laughs> it actually was Henry. It was Henry. We were talking about. Uh, we, he was actually talking about vaccines. So I'd love to grab that again, Henry, and get your um, kind of. You were talking about some people seeing um, either vaccine requirements or, um, you know, kind of what they're saying when, when it comes to that. Yeah, I, th I think it's definitely reasonable to ask now possible way out. I think it's it's immensely safe. Um, so that's personal opinion, but uh, now let's, you know, I think if there's a way out of this, I think vaccines are yeah, the way out. Let, let's play devil's advocate though here. So you got a guy on your crew who, you know, tests negative, but he says, you know, I'm not wearing a mask. Uh, do you send him home? I would. Do yeah. You, do, do you, yeah. I, I, I agree, but I, I've, I've been watching a lot of, uh, you know, internet bullies and whatnot discussing this topic on site. Um, you know, do, do you yell at them all day? You know, get your mask on, get your mask on, get your mask on. Or do you just say, look, if you can't wear your mask, you're going home. I've done that. I've literally like, I, yeah. I gave him like two warnings. I'm like, that's it, dude. I, I've, I've talked to you twice already. You're gone. Like it's that simple. It's like you, yeah. you know, what we got to do. If you want to keep working, this is what we got to do. Right. Yeah. Even in Texas where the, where it's not mandated anymore, it's still up to the venue owner. It's up to the, the client. It's, you know, if they, if they want to take safety precautions to protect the people around them and their guests, and we, we need to adhere to that. Sure, sure. Uh, and that's part of the contract is how we look at it. When, when we, when we contract you to go out, you, you have to keep up the, the client safety standards. Yeah. Great. So do you think, do you think that they should mandate vaccinations or merely keep it at testing for doing shows? That's a tough that's, one. That's what, I was just going to say I, that I, one right there. Like, I think, I, I don't know. I think it could be a hybrid of sorts. You know, I think, I think those that have gotten vaccinated, you know, you have your digital token that you can say, Hey, I'm vaccinated. I'm, I'm clear. Uh, and then the ones who say, I'm not getting vaccinated, but I'll go get your test. Yeah. Then it, then at least it, you've covered both bases mm -hmm. no matter, no matter what, and you're protecting your clients and the, and the attendees involved. I think well, that makes a lot of sense. you're going to get pushed back. Right. I mean, that's going to be a thing. If you're saying you have to put this in your body, like you're opening a can of worms there, you know, yeah. I think it needs to be their option. Right. But highly, you know, highly pushed like, Hey, this is going to help you. Right. This is going to help you get work back. And, so what you do know, you, what then as a labor company, do you say to companies who let's say there are companies who mandate their, their full-time employees 
to get there are some companies that have said, you know, if you're going to come back into the office, you have to have, uh, you know, you have to be vaccinated. So if they have a policy of that nature and then they want to translate that to on site to your labor company and to other stuff. How, you know, what do you think about navigating those types of waters? Because I, I agree with you. A hybrid approach, I think, is the best approach. There are some people that just can't, excuse me, that just can't get it, like f- for mm-hmm. medical reasons and other things. So, um, you know, how do you navigate that and, and have the testing and have the other stuff? I think that's just another line, another column now, right? Like I got all my guys. What does he got? He's got his OSHA 30. He's got his forklift. He's got this. He's got his his vaccination, right? That's another box that's checked now. So when I do a search, who are we going to put on this show? Boom. These guys have all been vaccinated, right? We got a, we got an, a, a, at least this many guys. And then you maybe have to expand out if you can't hit the numbers, but that's how I would approach that. Right. I, I think it, vaccinated people. I think it also comes down to a call to your lawyer, you know, uh, just to protect yourself from, from, uh, regulation saying that you can or can't do something, somebody's going to push back. Somebody's going to try and sue you to say, oh, well, they didn't give me this work because because I wouldn't get a vaccine. So you, you should have some legal verbiage and whatever they're signing to, to contract uh, work for you that says you're either going to do the testing mandated by the, by the event or you're going to get a vaccine. One or the and, other. And if you don't want one or the other, then you're not going to work for us. You know, and I think that that needs to be that needs to be set as a legal precedent, not not something you just make up on the fly. Yeah, I so, think it should be in the contract, right? That these we are expecting these people to be one or the other, right? Yeah, and you're signing with the end. Claim. But as long as you have both of those things, then you are eliminating the 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 possibility, not eliminating, but you're decreasing the possibility of discrimination at that point, because ultimately don't we as an industry want to minimize discrimination as much as possible? Because then if you get into that world of like, oh, well, you must have the vaccine. Well, then that becomes a discriminatory, that becomes a discriminatory um, statement essentially in my, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Does your client have a right to do that though? I don't, I don't know. That's, that's where the legal side of things comes in. It's like, you know, call your lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's, just, it's way easier to than trying trying to guess, you know. I think it's a lot easier to navigate that contract as a contract um, hiring party than than it is as an employer as well. Uh, as a contract, I mean, I can decide whether or not I want to contract you for any reason I want. I yeah, can that's true. Say, well, yeah. Uh, these bits came in the same. I I went with this one just because random roll of the dice. Like, I don't I don't have to guarantee anybody any work just because they're a contractor and they're in our database. Right. Yep. So, uh, you know, this is the same thing. Like we're, we're working on a bunch of training programs to try to, you know, we're, we're moving into a hybrid zoom environment. We want to get everybody as, as knowledgeable as we can in that area. I'm not, we can't mandate anybody take that. Um, but we can certainly choose people that did take that class over people that didn't or, or people that we know have that skill set. So you can do the same thing with vaccination and, um, testing as well. If, if you know they have it, you can pick them first. There's not, that's not discrimination at that point. That's just choosing the contractor that's right for that particular client. Yeah. Makes sense. So we've, we've hired everybody and we're, we now know they've either tested po- negatively and, they, and we or, know they've tested positive or they've, <laughs> they've tested negatively or they have a vaccine. How, how much extra time do you think clients should be expected to pay in regards to crew overages, safety, you know, the load in time, the load out time, the wash up time, um, social distancing? How, how much time do you think that's going to be? I'll, I'll, I'll start with uh, Big Finn there. I mean, I wrote up some plans for this, like way in the beginning of this thing. Like, I, I think you're adding at least an hour in the morning, right? I mean, it's got to be. And I think if you're doing these, uh, you know, these heavy wash up periods too. I mean, think about that. I mean, maybe lunch is like now isn't an extra half hour, right. For wash up to, to my brain spinning on this question. Cause I'm picturing how many people like have to go wash their hands, like, or get sanitized coming in or coming out. Is it a hundred guys? Is it 20 guys? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. And, and also 
providing the ability to do that. Okay. If you have a hundred, we'll just say a hundred people, you're going to need five to 10 wash up stations, right. Instead of the normal one or whatever they'd go through and just run off to lunch. Like, I mean, I think there's going to be a couple hours added into this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, over the course of the day, three hours, that's a ballpark. I'm thinking an hour on each side, maybe, and something for lunch and breaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you think, how about you, Henry? You think you'd need an hour at the end of the day? I mean, I don't know if you'd really need an end of the day time. Just getting out of there then. Okay. You're just, so you're just leaving now. Yeah. 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 I, um, I, I, oh, I, I'll let me clarify that. Cause this was part of the plan too, depending on reset for tomorrow too. Like we had, uh, uh, situations where there would be a crew that would come in and sanitize the whole place right after, after they were done for the day so that it would be clean and ready for the next morning. You know, and that was, uh, I mean, that was another part of our services. I mean, not just uh, labor for these shoots, but also for someone to come in and clean everything and just make sure, I mean, literally everything, wipe down desks, I mean, all that kind of stuff. So that did add in some time on the back end. You know, I don't know if that's going to, that's probably not going to be carry forward, but it definitely was at some point during this pandemic. Yeah. I, th I think there's too many variables to pin that down. I mean, so as long as it takes, if, if there's two washrooms and a hundred crew, it's going to take a lot longer and like that's still billable time. Right. Um, so, yeah. uh, and sure. Yeah. If you want to contract us to, to put those stations together, we can try to do it in a very efficient plan method. If we're relying on the, the venues uh, systems, then who knows, you know, we can't guarantee that. Right. Well, I think it's, yeah. it's, uh, as a workaround too, is to stagger crews. You know, you bring you bring them yeah. in in the order that they need to tip their trucks, and and so while one's processing, one's one's tearing their truck apart, yeah, and then and then you just keep that cycle going, and then you 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 stagger those lunches as well, mm -hmm. so that way nobody's on top of each other. You can you can have a couple wash stations, and you can have you know those breaks socially distanced. Um, while other people are still working box lunches right not into the catering stuff like you grab and, and walk that kind of thing we talked about coffee stations where every like it's literally like a starbucks almost for lack of a better word where you're not walking up there yourself and everybody's touching the same stuff you have one person you know or whatever it is like a couple people handing out coffees doing those kind of things yeah. just minimize cross-contamination there mm -hmm. you think crew catering is dead is it always going to be a box lunch from from here on moving out? Catering is going to be a tough one for a while, I think. Yeah, in well, general. But I think Buffets. if you have like in a lot of places where you go to like service as opposed to so like you're there and you're saying, hey, you know, I want this, this and this. And then they're serving. I mean, one, it's actually going to help them portion control better, like in terms of like knowing how much to how much they're serving, how much they're giving. But two, it actually will probably create efficiency. You know, because how many times you get the guy be like, oh, I need three scoops of mashed potatoes instead of two and that, you know, or whatever the case may be. And then, I'll, you know, you can, oh, she's like, boom, mashed potatoes, oh, gravy, this, that, that, that here. And then it just passes right through. And all of a sudden now you're faster than you were before and you don't have 40 guys standing in line waiting to get something to eat. Yeah, true. Could be. Yeah. Prepackaged almost. Like, even though it's, they're serving it, it's almost prepackaged. Like, yeah. here's what you keep moving down the line. Still, still fresh, still served right there. They just, you're not the one touching everything. Someone else is, you know, you put up the, you put up the sneeze guard or whatever it is like you do at a, uh, you know, some of the different buffet places and, you know, have at it. Same with coffee, really. I mean, Mike, you mentioned the Starbucks idea. I think mm -hmm. it's a great idea, frankly, having somebody who's there that somebody says, hey, I want, you know, a coffee with cream. Boom. Coffee with two cream. Here you go. And, and away you go. And then, you don't have people circling around and, you know, all trying to figure out how to do all their stuff. And with that stagger you were talking about, that's actually a smooth plan, right? I mean, then you're not getting 100 guys there. You're getting eight, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. And, I've and, been an advocate of crew staggering for years before this just because you always end up with. Like, why do, why do we have our A1 LD and V1 coming in for the truck unload? It's so much more efficient to get that truck unloaded, get the cases in a working line and, and then have those guys come in and go straight to work. I mean, you're just, you're saving your high dollar, yeah. uh, techs hours. Well, and, and maybe that's where you're backing up your, you know, maybe your loading call, maybe your pusher calls at 7am now instead of, you know, instead of eight. So, you know, and you only have 
eight pushers coming in, so it takes them 30 minutes to check in. They're on the clock at 7.30. They start pushing at 7.30, and then when you have the rest of your crew coming in at 8, they have their 30 minutes. They do their temperature, whatever it is. They get the thumbs up. They boom. They move in now at about 8.30, and by the time you get there, their gear's in the ballroom, and really they haven't lost that much time. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. how much time have they really lost at that point with the stagger? And, um, you know, so it's just planning. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. this is an opportunity to make it better, right? Like we said, a rebirth. We're reinventing this. Right. Now. Like we're coming out of this the way we've always done it. Like this yeah. is all right for all of us. So who always ends up staying late at the end too? It's, it's your high end guys. Those are the ones that are up in the truss fixing something on the lift at the end of the night. Like, okay, I got it. You know, got to get it done for show tomorrow. Yeah. But you don't need your, your loaders there for that. Well, this- so. So it's, it, there's a logical All this talk there. of coffee just made me realize that that because of masks, no longer will we have to smell somebody's dog breath because <laughs> they drank too much crappy coffee, right? So <laughs> I am looking forward well, to the mask it, wearing. It, it instantly got like old memories of specific people, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just might go mask no matter what. Well, that's great. I mean, I love the staggering ideas, guys. Great. I mean, that's that alone, I think, is is worth the price of admission here and saying, hey, how do we think about this differently? Um, You know, costs will shift. Costs will change. Yes, some will increase. Um, Now, now, what are you guys seeing about actual labor rates? So let's move away from covid for a minute and let's look at the actual positions. you know, d- different positions, of course, warrant different pricing. Stagehand is not going to pay the same as an A1 or an LD or all of those sorts of things. But what are you, what are you guys seeing from a, from a, just a pricing standpoint, people wanting or, or needing to get paid with the more understanding that now they're thinking differently. They're not thinking, well, I know that this is going to be around for 10 years and we're just going to keep working all the way through, but who knows what's going to happen in three years, four years, wow. five years, kind of, what are you guys seeing rates wise? Are you guys seeing a percentage increase? What are, where, where is that at? I think, I think we will. So far I've seen things flat, but I think we will see prices go up. Uh, I think we're we're going into a low supply, high demand market, quite possibly. Um, you know, me myself being in Denver, I mean, rates have been the same for since early two thousands, um, and the prices are through the roof. Cost of living is through the roof. So, uh, I think the industry is long overdue for for yeah. some some wage increases, and I think this is the environment that'll lead to that. Uh, the, well, the environment we're about to go into. It's a prediction at best, but um, it's it's getting hard for our guys to live here. And I'm seeing the same thing in New York. I'm seeing the same thing. San Francisco is one of the few places that actually has high rates for people. But, you know, the cost of living is getting on that trajectory like the Bay Area. And, and we're not going to have anybody to hire if, if they don't have a place to live. Yeah. Hmm. Very true. So are you guys going to start a, um, an area based rate adjustments in terms of like different areas or different rates? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's too early to tell. I mean, we'll wait and see what the market does, but I think, I think it definitely is warranted, uh, in a lot of markets. Uh, Austin is going through the roof, uh, in terms of cost of living Portland. I'm sure you're seeing it there too. I mean, Portland has really blown up. No, uh, um, you'd be surprised actually. Uh, we have, pretty low rates here. Um, and, and my company, uh, in the 10 years that we were operating, we actually were able to increase the rates to a, to a more reasonable level, uh, nationally. So, um, so it, it, it never got to where I think it should be, but we're close. We were, we were pretty close at the end of 2019. Because cost of living is high out there too, right? Is my understanding. It's it's yeah. it is increasing, yeah. But you know it, what it's doing is it's just pushing people out further and further away. Um, but lo- you know a lot of people were already uh, locked in. You know they either start bought their home in in the early two thousands when when it was inexpensive, or you know after the bubble burst and and uh, you know mortgage rates were really low. So, uh, but now now it's impossible possible to buy a house here. Uh, right. So 
getting crazy all over. I heard that about Vegas multiple times this week is people are like, we literally cannot find a house to buy right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. You know. Supply is incredibly low and, and that, you know, it's artificially low um, in terms of just from the rent moratoriums and all that sort of stuff that's gone on. So we'll see what happens when stuff changes. And, and I really hope that we're able to see a, um, you know, a good resurgence. What, Mike, what are you seeing from a rate standpoint? Are things kind of flat for you too? Or This is what I'm, this is where my head is on that. I mean, we always uh, came in high. We always tried to pay our guys the most that we possibly could. That was always our MO. Yeah. To keep the cream of the crop, right? We want the good guys. We want to take care of you. We want to pay you the most that the market will possibly bear, right? That's, that's always been the the gist of uh, my culture and it's worked, right? Keeps the good people, keeps them coming back. So that's always good. Love it. What I have seen as things are opening up is clients trying to beat us up um, for lower rates. Hey, there hasn't been a lot of work. We're going to, you know, how about you do it for this, that kind of thing. And uh, I mean, that bothers me and I see it happening now. These people trying to push, but like we were just discussing, I think once the market opens up again and it's a, a free for all, like we need labor and this is what it is, that's going to uh, kind of give us a stronger leg to stand on, on uh, if we did want to increase rates, you know, or people are, who knows, maybe the good technicians are in a bidding war kind of situation, right? Like you want us to do your gig. This guy wants to pay me this, you know? So, th so that's, you know, that's the way that might play out in the big picture there, I think. I could see that being a definite reality, like definite shortage of good people. Yeah, for the real for the real good guys, right? I so, so we need a crew auction site now. Is that what we're saying? We just need somebody can bid, you know? I like it. <laughs> crew bay, crew bay. Yeah, crew. Exactly. They Instead can bid eBay. you up for your. You set your weeks, all the weeks that you want to work, and then people can bid you up at your start, like at your starting rate. You know, oh, well, I want him for this week, and then they just bid themselves up. I mean, I'm going to start at 99 cents and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> 99 cents a minute, right, Joe? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so, all right. Well, we've got, I mean, all kinds of great stuff. What, what about union versus non-union? Um, do you think we're going to see differences between the two types of events um, you know, I know that many times, you know, unions, of course, have a, a totally different rule structure than a non-union place, non-union house. Do you think that we'll be able to adopt a lot of the similar union style protections and rules within the non-union framework? Or do you think that they're still going to be vastly different between the two? I think they'll be different. Yeah, there's... Yeah, me personally, I've always tried to keep it as close as possible. Yeah. You know, I try to tear the, the non-union crews, I think you know, the same way as the union crews, make sure that it make sure a laborer is getting treated the way a laborer should be treated. Right. Yeah. That's the way that I look at this. And I always try to approach it that way. So I don't know For I'm sure. going to keep doing the same thing. I right? What are your thoughts, Joe? Do you, th you, think um, you know, I've actually, I've always tried to keep my rates comparable with the IA um, only because I had contracts with the IA to be my overflow labor source. Yeah. So, so that way when I'm, when I'm bidding on a show, I don't have to worry about like quantity of people. I can just say, I know I need 10 people. And I know that those prices that, that I'm getting from the IA match what I'm already paying out to my people. So, so I was able to, you know, keep, keep it in line and never, never worry about, you know, overages in labor. Um, and, and, and making sure that I'm staying within the confines of the budget for that reason. Very cool. Um, I think that's great. I mean, and, and I agree with you, Mike. I mean, labor is labor is labor and it, and it shouldn't, and it shouldn't differ. Um, how do we address, so social distancing standards, guidelines are changing somewhat, you know, CDC makes different assessments and the stuff changes sometimes we don't even know about it but in places where like a, a truck for instance you're unloading a truck um you know do we think that things change i know you guys mentioned earlier more trucks well more trucks you know definitely carry more cost than say you know a couple of extra guys on a crew um how, how do we do you think there's a way to navigate and find a, a happy medium between you know oh, we need eight more trucks so we don't have to stack anything to, um, 
you know, okay, yes, we stack X, Y, Z. So, you know, but it'll still come out in a way that we don't have, you know, eight guys clustered around a 1200 pound hunk of crap or whatever you want to call it to lift it up on top of this thing to pack it tighter, this, that, and the other thing. I think that's another case for the vaccination. Like, I mean, I guess the, the, the jury's still out on that too, though. It does vaccination really prevent transmission? Uh, it seems like it will, but I mean, we're going to have to figure out how to work close together again. Right. We're yeah. wearing masks. I mean, they, they change it. What is it? It went from six feet to four feet or three feet or something now. I, I mean, don't even, I don't even know. I stopped paying. It changed so often and so much. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> just can't imagine our business not working close with the, the guy beside you. I mean, it's yeah. It's going to be really think, hard to do. It's a lot easier to vaccinate. I think there's opportunities here too, where, you know, maybe rather than a whole bunch of people in the box, you've got one guy with a forklift and one guy, you know, being the spotter and you're forklifting stuff yeah, to for, the deck. Forks could and be then, a great solution. You know, then, yeah. then that becomes, you know, you're socially distanced, the guy in the lift, the forklift and the guy on the ground, you know, are talking to each other and you only have two in the box getting everything out and then everybody pushes from there. I think that might be a quick, quick and dirty solution to, to keep it socially distanced and still be efficient in how we're, we're tipping a truck. Yeah. Force us to hand bomb less crap, which I would appreciate because gosh, man, let's freaking put it all on wheels and push, push it and stack it. Um, Well, and I think, I think that can, that can then translate later on to the client, you know, why do we have this forklift? Well, it sped up your load in by at least an hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, so then, then that, that line item can then be a, a, a standard moving forward rather than something you're fighting for every time. Yeah. Well, I would say forklift is something I've never really had to fight for. I mean, from a cost effective standpoint, you know, your typical forklift is going to cost you a thousand dollars for a week, give or take. You know, I've, I don't know if I've ever had a client quibble at that, you know, when they'd come back, you really, okay. Yeah. Instead of, I'm like, dude, if you have one more forklift, like we are going to be infinitely fat. No, that's not in the budget. Right. You got one that's like just doing everything. And I'm like, dude, you're shooting. I'm looking at 50 guys standing around because you have one forklift, you know, Mm -hmm. like you should have just got another. I mean, it was, it was a no brainer, but I've definitely, definitely wrestled with that. So I think especially on would be great like hey this is because of social distancing or whatever we need three forklifts yeah especially in the in the convention center you know market where some of those lifts you know those forklifts are really expensive because you're paying for a whole drayage crew for each forklift or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know at the end of the day if they can get it to you twice as fast then that cost is is well worth it a lot of times oh yeah well, they say tripping over dollars to pick up dimes, right? I yeah. Mean, that's stepping kind over, of- yeah, stepping over dimes to pick up pennies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I mean, I would always err on the side as a technical director. I always err on the side of like, all right, let's spend the money now up front, even if I know it's going to seem over budget. But I wow. know that in the end, and, and I can say nine times out of 10, I normally end up below my budget number, even after I've theoretically spent that money like in advance and no thinking, Oh man, I'm, you know, whatever, $1,800 over on my labor. And then it always comes back on stuff yeah. like that. I mean, lifts, forklifts, anything that does the lifting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes a, a huge difference. That's cause you know, right. There's a lot of people that aren't thinking that they're like, you see the, the number, the line, right. The line up, and like, Oh, well, you know, you, you need the best production manager guys that are seeing things like that. Like, yes. The value that that unseen value of like work boxes and adapter kits and just all the little tools and and uh, resources you might need that you probably won't need. Yeah, yeah, we didn't want to send spares, but now we're shipping them in cross country overnight. <laughs> right? Save you that those kind untold of untold hours, untold of amounts of money get saved Dude. with those. Tra- yes, those investments. Gosh, yes, a hundred percent. Well, guys, as we wrap up today. Um, Henry, Mike, I'd love to get your guys' thoughts real quick. What are, you know, the guys that are listening, girls that are listening, those who are crew, you know, they're maybe looking to get get into the live events world. What are what are two things 
that they can do to be ready for their next gig if they haven't gotten it yet, if they haven't found that next one or where they're going to go? Like, what are two things they should be doing right now to be more gig ready uh, as we kind of come out of the, the darkness and into the light? If you don't know Zoom yet, learn Zoom, learn streaming, learn RTMP, learn anything you can about this virtual world because it's going to be a part of it for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I would say something you don't think about as much, but customer service training, anything you can do to improve yourself. I always recommend the book uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Short, easy read. It's a little old-fashioned, but it works magic in terms of relationships and how you deal with clients and really you can be the best tech in the world and if you can't deal with clients it doesn't really matter along- you, you could fuck something up on a show and still be pretty good with clients or be really good with clients and you can they'll, they'll give you a pass right yeah so along those service. same along those same lines uh there's a great book called uh, what color is your parachute um it's all about you know marketing yourself it's it's mostly geared towards like verbiage you would use on your resume but you can take a lot of nuggets just from that on how to market yourself from a cu- customer service standpoint if you apply those things um the, the way you speak about how what you do and how you do it elevator pitches and those kind of things will make you that much more marketable to labor uh labor forces or labor companies um m- moving forward very Mike, you got the you got the final word, brother. Talk to me. What what do you think? I th- I mean, I'm gonna piggyback here on like the whole hybrid thing, right? I mean, that's that's a good entrance right there to, to learn about uh, the streaming, learn about I've got an infinite amount of calls for camera guys, right? Over the course of this thing, like where I mean that's literally kept our doors open, right? Is just all of a sudden everything went indoors. So I think learning things like that, you know, to uh, be able to help run these, run these shows. And I, and I do think it's going to be hybrid. I think it's going to be live events going on, but now they're going to have the ability to uh, reach far more people than they ever have before. If, if, um, if a show sells out in the stadium and you can sell tickets to whatever the online thing is, or even for conventions and things like that, right. Where people can't get in, you now can reach the market. So I think the kids should probably start uh, learning about all the, like live streaming and things like that, that are going to be a big part of our future and show up early for your calls. We're going to real one. That's, that's the most, yeah. of it, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Show up early. People be ready, be early. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, Hey, thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate everything. You guys are rock stars as always. And uh, man, thanks. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the road. Can't wait to get back out there and uh, putting out some really cool stuff. I can't wait. Oh man, we appreciate so much. Look forward to doing it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, guys, no worries. Appreciate Have a you. great afternoon. See you guys on site soon. See ya. Cheers. Bye. The next 18 months has the potential to be huge. As a professional, I believe that right now is the time to get prepared, be ready, and be on your game. Educating, listening, learning, and growing. So jump in there, get ready for the stream and the flood that is going to be the next year. I'm excited for what the future holds. Here at Gig Ready, our goal is to bring you value. Tell us what we can do better. Tell your friends. Let them know that Gig Ready is the place to learn, listen, and grow as a professional. And we'll see you next time.